I was curious, what Jaguar player do you think I most resemble out on the field in real life? You don't have to be nice. You don't have to be nice. Maybe Chris Conley after Thursday night because you were dropping a lot of balls out there. (laughs) (laughs) I think that's fair, right? Hello and welcome to the Drunken Jaguar. This is Bentley Brown. Alongside me digitally is Aser Hassan. Uh, we are recovering from a brutal weekend, what they call the mini-buy. Uh, we got a Sunday off, but it wasn't any better <laughs> than any other Sunday because we suffered through a 31-13 loss to the Miami Dolphins this past Thursday night. Oh man, I had such high hopes going into that. What about you, I said? How excited were we before the game? (laughs) We were so hyped to watch the game together. We're throwing the football around beforehand. It was good vibes. Oh, yeah. We met up in person. Yeah, we met up in person. We met up in person. And I drove from Boulder, Colorado, into Denver towards uh, Aurora. Kind of like maybe with the traffic and stuff, maybe like an hour drive. But I listened to like, I mean, I was blast from the past. I was playing incubus albums and shit (laughs) like just getting into some serious 90s 2000s nostalgia here ready for uh uh, maybe a more like a mark burnell powered offensive showdown and things didn't turn out that well we we threw the football around as you mentioned we were we're tossing tossing some uh some nice nice deep balls um, man, I was I was butter I was butterfingers out there. I was butterfingers. I was trying to get all acrobatic, right? Trying to pull my my best Colin Johnson, but acrobatics ac- uh, don't matter when when you can't hold on to the football. There it is. <laughs> I was gonna say, man, you got some uh, you got some McCardell vibes out there. Oh yeah, I think you were you're a lot more sure-handed. This is true. Yeah, hundred percent. Someone that that I would I would I would feel confidence throwing a fifty-fifty ball to. Yeah, maybe, but I actually have really bad hands. If we're telling the truth here. But man, yeah, I was huffing and puffing. You know, maybe maybe not the best <laughs> off season uh, training program for both of us. Yeah, it was bad. I had to like wash my face. I was like coughing and stuff. I was like, oh god, I don't know if I'm gonna make it. Brutal, embarrassing for us at least, and embarrassing for the Jaguars. Yeah, speaking of brutal, and embarrassing. What 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 went wrong? Well, everything. I mean, we've talked about over and over. You know, you got to get off to a good start. They even mentioned it as like a, you know, a key of the game uh you know troy aikman did i believe and it was just bad like you that's three straight games you know the opposing team receives the ball and they go down and they score a touchdown with ease like it can't be that easy our defense just it looks terrible it's i mean we we stopped the run in the weeks past you know kind of but this week we couldn't stop the run we couldn't stop fitzpatrick like what what was that took all the hope that I feel like Jaguars fans had and maybe even in the locker room and it kind of just stomped on it, you know? It's a tough one. Uh, I was very confident going into the game. I mean, it seemed like the national news networks were obsessed over the whole facial hair controversy and Fitzpatrick calling out Minshew for having a mustache saying he can't grow a full beard. Minshew's coming back saying, hey, pretty sure I can grow a full full beard, but it's this time I, I respect my elders, blah, blah, blah. We heard this like 95,000 times, man. Right. I was pulling over to buy beer en route to your house. Uh, maybe that's why <laughs> I was dropping those passes. <laughs> but, um, 
But yeah, even in like the package store, they're they're playing Minshew and Fitzpatrick uh, interviews. So there was a lot of hype around things that were seemingly irrelevant to football. And then Fitzpatrick goes out there and has one of his most efficient nights of his career. The Jaguars defense just couldn't get it done. Doug Marone's been coming under, under uh, intense criticism for not only us going down by a touchdown or two on opening drives or the opening sequence of drives in the last uh, three games, the first three games of the season, but also the idea of winning the coin toss each time and deferring to get the ball at the end of the second half. And Doug Marone does this with the idea that essentially try to get a score late in the first half, go into the locker room, planning to come out, and build momentum through an opening, a second half opening drive. But it's the right thing to do, though, correct? Like, I mean, most coaches, everyone, even if you don't have that much football knowledge, in a Madden game, you know, you always defer, right? Mm -hmm. So you get the ball after half. But with this specific team and how things are going, they can't do that anymore. They have to take the ball first and hopefully, you know, get some points on the board and then let the defense build off of that because something's not working. So you have to change something up. Yeah. Um, that leads me into my first question today. There's been a lot of rethinking Jaguars politics <laughs> in the last week after such a good start to the season. And one of the questions that people have is uh, Todd Wash, defensive coordinator for the Jaguars. What the hell keeps this guy around? I honestly wish I had the answers for you. Because, I mean, we looked at each other a billion times and said, like, how is he still, how is he still the coach, or the defensive coordinator, you know? Nothing good has come out of, I mean, defensively, the first game we caught some lucky breaks. I mean, we had some turnovers, which Phillip Rivers is prone to throwing interceptions, you know. But against other guys, I don't know if this defense is going to stand a chance. From the secondary down to the pass rush, like even as a unit, it's hard to see like a bright spot right now. I know things have turned like upside down in a few weeks. You know, you win a game and then you compete. And like we said, cautious optimism, right? And then this kind of thing happens on, you know, you get a kind of a primetime game. People are watching and you basically lay an egg out there. I mean, the offense didn't play well either. And then extending the question about Todd Wash as defensive coordinator to now the head coach, Doug Marone. Uh, can we revisit really quickly our thought from the beginning of the, of the season where it seems like Marone not being fired before the season, bringing on Jay Gruden, a former head coach, as offensive coordinator, that there seemed to be this tacit understanding that Marone still has the job, I mean, for the time being. And my thought is in the post-Tom Coughlin world, for both Dave Caldwell, general manager, and Doug Marone, head coach, they that Shad Khan, the owner, gave them both kind of a, uh, a free pass this time. You know, hey, we're going to try things without Tom around and see how it goes. Um, kind of get our f spending in shape, get rid of players that, that we don't think uh, help build positive chemistry in the locker room and build a younger team for the future. That said, you guys are all clear. You know, we want you to do well. We'll see how things go. Mm -hmm. Is Doug Marone on the hot seat? Like, you know, game one and two, he definitely seemed to be a freaking genius. But what about now? Is there something that's going to be at stake in the next several weeks? Or is that kind of irrelevant right now i mean we always think to ourselves that he's going to be in the hot seat but he never is right the thing that bothers me is we're so easy like it's so easy for the jaguars to get rid of players and dump them mm -hmm. off and you know start start fresh but why is it so hard for them to do that with coaches mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. it's it's really it's weird i mean i know offensive coordinators we've kind of 
dumped off and replaced, but they make it so hard. Like they want to stick with Doug Marone for whatever reason, which is fine. I mean, stick with him five, six, seven games. But if you keep losing, like you have to go at some point because losing football should mean you lose your job as a coach. That's how it works for every other team, isn't it? He's got to be on the hot seat. Building on that question, then how does this factor into the whole Jaguar strategy for the season? Um, you and I agree. Like players aren't trying to tank. They're going to try to play their asses off. Um, even if they're, you know, start off the season one and eight, they're going to want to go out and win every game. They might get demoralized. They might, it might be harder and harder to pull off that win without a general team effort. But nobody's trying to tank. To no one's interest, Gardner, especially Gardner Minshew, does not want to be replaced by any incoming first round quarterback pick from next year. Nope. But if we revisit this question of tanking, do you think that there is some kind of, you know, loosey goosiness that kicks in if the Jaguars start losing too many games, like to the extent of management and coaching just, you know, really wouldn't care to win anymore? Yeah. I mean, it's possible. It, it feels like a week to week situation. Like, even like nationally, you know, a team goes from, hey, oh shit, we're 0 3. Like Denver, I even heard on Denver local radio, they're like, are we tanking? Mm. Are we going to get the first pick? Are we going to get Trevor Lawrence? So week to week, every team is thinking the same thing. And for us, I personally haven't had my mindset on that. And Denver fans shouldn't either. Yeah. But I don't know. Like you lose three more in a row, then it's a different mindset. If we will go two and one in the next three, right? It's a whole different thing. So from week to week, it's going to vary. And that's what people are going to talk about. It's pointless for us to speculate about it, about the tanking or not. Because we know they're going to go out and play to the best of their ability, which isn't very good, obviously, right now. We're a bad football team, but there's worse football teams out there. As a Jaguars fan, it was really difficult to watch the team, like you said, lay an egg in front of a national audience. A lot of sports networks, Sports Illustrated, ESPN, uh, the NFL itself, and their power rankings had been ranking the Jaguars consistently higher every week and we're talking literally starting from the bottom yeah so they're consistently at 32 or 31 around power rankings after the week one win against the colts some some rankings jumped us up to 28 26 even after our narrow loss to the titans we went up a little bit in the rankings and this is where we were solidly getting ranked like 2018 19 now for me this isn't doesn't affect my view of the team but it does reflect the overall discussion around the Jaguars right? and how much shit all of us as Jaguars fans have to endure on a daily basis <laughs> as a result. So I, I don't even want to refresh my, my power rankings and see where we are after this week three loss to the Dolphins. Oh, it's it's going to be between 28 and 30. I mean, the Jets are probably the worst team in the league. Denver's not much better. The Giants are really bad. So those three I can think of that are they're pretty damn bad. Well, hopefully they don't throw us off the charts at like 35 or something. <laughs> we start getting ranked in the SEC. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, even when they beat the Colts, right? Like, we jumped in the power rankings. But, I mean, I think I looked at Yahoo, CBS, ESPN, and NFLs, and we were still hanging around, you know, like 27, 28. Mm -hmm. And the Colts have proven to be a pretty good team. A million times yesterday I heard on the Red Zone Network and just outside of it how the Colts have, you know, the best defense so far in the league with total yards and uh, total passing yards allowed. I don't know if that still stands, but it did at the time they were talking about it. And they they played really well. Yeah, but the combined record of the all the teams the Colts have played is 1-8. and eight. 
Well, so damn, you had to tell me that. Okay, but okay, we might be bad. Well, what I wanted to see, what I wanted to discuss was that the the Jaguars are now like you know people are jumping on them again, saying, "Oh, well, they're they're actually not as good as we thought they were." And I agree with you though; it's more like a week to week kind of thing. I don't think that anything fundamentally has changed with the team since week one. Mm-hmm. I mean, we just went out and and the game got away from us really early on, and we we weren't able to fight back this time. Uh, I don't think that it takes away from our expectations to win upcoming games. So a, a related topic is Gardner Minshew, who um, throughout the first couple weeks, and again with the mustache banter before this game, had re-entered the national discussion as the recognized starting quarterback for the Jaguars. And we'll talk in a second about some other quarterback uh, controversies <laughs> and replacements this past week and and uh, some relations to the Jaguars themselves there. But Gardner, I did not feel had this like you know horrendous game on Thursday that would disprove him as a starting quarterback. Despite that, though, uh, a lot of a lot of commentators were saying, oh, is this the end of Minshew magic or Minshew mania? And I'm kind of curious, like, are they just talking about the end of the Jaguars winning? Or or do they really think that Minshew no longer deserves to be starting quarterback uh, of an NFL franchise? And that one kind of throws me for a spin. I was curious if you had any takes yeah. on Gardner Minshew after week three. I do, because it's actually starting to irritate me. Before the game, you know, even on the NFL Network and stuff, they were hyping up Minshew, saying a lot of people, I was listening to all kinds of stuff, saying, Oh, he looks like a franchise quarterback. And one week three game changes everyone's mind, right? That fast. In a snap, he's not a franchise quarterback anymore. He didn't even have the worst game ever. No, he didn't look amazing like he did in the previous two weeks. But how come he never gets a break? He never gets a break. But these other quarterbacks, like Kyler Murray, they had this MVP. I always compare him to Kyler Murray because they're both small quarterbacks. Kyler was drafted early. Kyler is more skilled than him. And he is a better quarterback than Gardner. But he doesn't get this criticism. I watched that game yesterday that Arizona played. Kyler threw like three bad picks. Mm-hmm. And he's the reason. They lost to the Lions, I'm pretty sure. Mm-hmm. <laughs> they're they're literally saying he's playing at an MVP level. <laughs> I've heard this about Kyler Murray. Exactly. <laughs> yeah, MVP level. And he makes a few great plays just like Gardner does every week. You know? And nothing. You hear nothing except, oh, He's going to be all right. The Cardinals are a contender. They can win the NFC West. And I, I know there's pieces around him, but they was attributed to him because of Kyler Murray. I mean, he was good, but he made so many mistakes yesterday. And I haven't heard the criticism yet. I haven't heard them saying, oh, he's not a franchise quarterback. Why? What has he done? They won like five games last year. Gardner has more wins than him. But now he's just, he's off the hook, right? Because he was drafted early in the first round, but Gardner Minshew is not off the hook because he's a six-round draft pick, right? That makes a lot of sense. Kyler's learning. Oh, he's not going to make those mistakes in the future. Oh, he, ex- exactly. He's learning, but Gardner doesn't get that. So uh, let's let's then shift uh, shift our focus a little bit around the NFL. Um, you know, the Jaguars had this really disappointing game on Thursday, but it didn't take away from a lot of really nice, uh, fun games to watch on Sunday. There were some fast... Uh, Finishes some uh, uh, controversies here and there. <laughs> we had a quarterback replacement. Uh, what I want to do is, as we bring up each NFL story, to try to relate it to the Jaguars somehow. Okay. This is a cool thing I like about this podcast is that 
you know, you you watch a lot of NFL. I watch I watch a decent amount of NFL, and we have some cool commentary we can offer about some other NFL teams and games. Yeah, I'm ready. But I think out of fairness to our Jaguars audience, we should try to like make really? a you know like a six degrees of separation kind of <laughs> connection to to the Jets. I'm, I'm going to be great at this. I already got I already got some things lined up. All right, so we got our softball is is the Bears game. <laughs> Chicago Bears. <laughs> that game was insane, dude. Young-ish quarterback, Mitch Trubisky, who's been the subject of, you know, is he a franchise quarterback or not debates. I would say a la Bortles a little bit. Yeah, a little bit like Bortles, yeah. Kind of held it together for a little bit and then eh, and then uh, and he's never enough. Yeah, for sure. So the Chicago Bears were playing the Atlanta Falcons, who uh, coming into the game were... 0-2 and, and had just dropped a disastrous game against the Cowboys the previous week on that onside <laughs> kick we described. And they lost in week one um, when they had a lead as well, I'm pretty sure. The Bears come out, uh, from what I understand, very underwhelming, and Trubisky just isn't getting the job done. So they substitute Jaguars legend. Well, actually, <laughs> Philadelphia legend, challenged by his time at Jacksonville, Nick Foles. Um, you know, small group Bible study leader, <laughs> um, a buttered laced coffee bean brewer to go out and work his magic. And, and he did. He did. And they won the game. Uh, epic three touchdowns. All the throws were intense. He was he was coming back. He was, you know, moving out of the pocket. He was getting some hits. Uh, had a uh, thread the needle a couple times. He looked good. Placed that ball right <laughs> where it needs to go. We had some Super Bowl caliber Nick Foles on Sunday. He looked good. It sucks to say. And the Bears are 3-0. But, I mean, Mitchell Trubisky didn't really do anything wrong in particular. It was just it, it was just nothing, you know. It was, it was just an underwhelming performance by him. He was just being Mitchell Trubisky, basically. And what they want is for him to mm-hmm. take the next step. And I feel like they're like, yeah, this isn't happening. So Matt Nagy pulled him. Nick Foles went in, brought some energy, and hit Allen Robinson for a touchdown, too, who Allen Robinson's going through a whole thing with the Bears. I'm sure you've heard, you know, they're trying to get rid of him, trade him. Mm-hmm. And he's taking a lot of heat, I see on Twitter, too. Um, there was a ball that Nick Foles threw a jump ball to Allen Robinson, and they called it a touchdown. But it was actually intercepted and like ripped out of Robinson's hands. Oh, he got a lot, a lot of shit about that on Twitter. I was looking because he responds to everyone. Then he came back and had a nice uh, touchdown catch. And the Bears are rolling and Nick Foles looked good. Probably what we hoped he looked like in Jacksonville, <laughs> to be honest. So there's two former Jaguars connecting right yep, there. There it is. Funny, right? Nick Foles and Allen Robinson. And the Falcons, man. They <laughs> suck. Well, I mean, they're losing these close games. It could be, it could be that question of character, right? That in intensity ability to close it off what else you got around the nfl well let's connect another one back to the jaguars so in 2017 18 i think after our good season uh jalen ramsey called josh allen trash or something along those lines and josh allen josh allen quarterback of the buffalo bills buffalo bills yeah i always forget we have one too tore jalen ramsey apart and the rams defense yes 35 32 Bills over the Rams. And he didn't look like trash. And that was a crazy game. Did you get to uh, follow any of that? That one I did not see. Tell me about it. So the Bills are up 28-3 to in this game. Maybe like 10 minutes left in the third or so. And the Rams just come all the way back. The Rams take the lead, actually. 
and they go up 32, what is this, 28 then? 32-28. Bills have one last drive, and they march the ball down the field, and there was a very controversial pass interference call, which I thought was just a terrible call on fourth down, mm. which gave Buffalo a first down in the red zone within the 10. Oh, wow. And they score a touchdown, and they stay undefeated. So Yeah, it looks like uh, Josh Allen threw 24-33 for 311 yards and four touchdowns. Yeah, but he also did a lot of boneheaded things. It was the first time I've seen a quarterback get a 15-yard face mask call as he was trying to evade defenders. He grabbed a face mask <laughs> and just tore the guy down. It was, oh was freaking hilarious. He's playing really well, even though he does make some really questionable decisions. What else we got around the NFL? Um, there's another one that goes back to the Jaguars. The Titans oh, yeah. win another close game. Another one on a game, game-winning game field goal once again. Same same news for the Titans. Gostowski hit six field goals yesterday. Uh, six field goals during the Sunday game. I think he's redeeming himself from his performance against the Broncos a couple weeks ago. That's just nuts. They keep escaping games and... I don't know. That could that could get tricky. But at the end of the day, they're winning games, but they're winning them very close. So I, I expect a, a little losing streak coming, the hopeful side of me at least. Do you think that the Titans stay pretty situated at top of the AFC South, or is someone going to challenge them pretty soon? We'll see in the next couple weeks. I believe they have Houston soon, so we'll see what happens with that. Um, I'm not sure who they play next week. So, But right now, I would say... I wouldn't say they're situated because I think the Colts are right on their ass too. And I think those two can compete for the AFC South and the Jaguars if we get our shit together. So we've already talked about the Colts a little bit and we've talked about the Titans just now. Um, moving on to the Houston Texans, they lost another tough game against the Steelers this time. Uh, it seemed like they were they were pretty much in it for throughout the game. But they've notoriously had the league's toughest schedule through the first three games. Uh, already playing, uh, was it like the Ravens and the Chiefs and the Steelers? Uh, yep. And that's not that's not fun. And they have Minnesota next week, I believe. When Minnesota's got, it. I mean, they're they need a win desperately, just like Houston. So it won't be like, oh, Houston's desperate, so they're gonna come out with like you know this aggression about them, because Minnesota will come with the same thing. You know, they're zero and three, and they're supposed to be one of the better teams in the NFC and the NFL. So that'll be a good game. Do you think that the 0-3 start for the Texans has like maybe psychologically put them at a disadvantage in the AFC South? Do you think they'll be able to recover from it soon? Or is this just a really unfortunate way to start the season? I mean, it is unfortunate. But I mean, two years ago, they went 0-3 and won the division. It's a different, it's a new day though. And I don't know how it's how far Deshaun Watson can carry you. It's not it's not looking good for them. I'll say that much. But they have played three good teams, so I'll cut them a little slack. There's a rumor here. I think Earl Thomas came in for a workout with the Houston Texans. I read that. That's not good. Woo, see how this bodes for the Jaguars. Uh, another Jaguars-related news is uh, old man Mercedes Lewis. Yeah. Still doing things. <laughs> for the Green Bay Packers catching a touchdown. I bet on Green Bay last night. It might have been a push-off on his touchdown. I don't know if you watched it. <laughs> he was against the sidelines. It was, it was a great play. He might have pushed off, but we'll take it. And they, that's Aaron Rodgers' second um, career touchdown to a first-round draft pick. <laughs> <laughs> they brought that graphic up right away. And um, our old boy, Alan Lazard from the practice squad, saw a lot of Jaguars people talking about 
what would have happened if we kept Alan Lazard? You know, that's hard to say. He's playing with Aaron Rodgers right now, but I'm happy for Alan Lazard. I feel like Jordan Love, they should just start starting him as like a slot receiver or something just to make everybody happy. <laughs> he gets his time in the spotlight. Rodgers can throw some some uh, touchdowns to another first-round draft pick, even though they're not primarily a receiver. Doesn't feel as threatened that his job's in the balance. That would still that still counts, though. It still yeah, counts. still works. Still works. <laughs> Another Jaguars connection, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers uh, pulling it off in fashion against the Denver Broncos. Did you happen to watch this one? From what I saw, it was it was not pretty. I mean, <laughs> 20, it shouldn't have been 28-10. Like, this could have been like 42 to like 3 kind of game. I mean, Den- Denver scored one touchdown. It was like at the end of the half. But they, oh man, they are in trouble. They just lost Jarrell Casey, the former Titan uh, D-lineman for the season and they just keep losing guys. So that's why I'm saying they might be in the tank for Trevor thing, but they also put all their faith in drew lock. So it wouldn't make much sense really. Okay. We'll talk about the Broncos in a second, in a second, because we have another great Jaguars connection there. Um, but before we do that, Leonard Fournette for the Buccaneers, I, I've only got him down here as seven carries for 15 yards. Although Brady came out with almost 300 yards, three touchdowns, no interceptions. Do you think Fournette, uh, is going to be a good work out well with the Buccaneers. His game a week ago was was excellent. I th- I think in the playoffs he will become a bigger factor. To be honest, wearing guys out, you know, tough running. So I think they're maybe saving him a little bit in a way. But yeah, I mean he's not playing great or anything. He had a couple breakout runs last week. But still, I think in the playoffs they'll use him a lot more, and especially when you know things aren't working and you need to get the running game started. I think Leonard would be a pretty good guy to have in there, to be honest. So, uh, moving on to the topic of the day here for us in in Denver <laughs> is the Denver Broncos quarterback situation. Drew Locke, as you mentioned, is out, and as a safety backup, like a plan B, C, D, E, F, whatever, the Broncos did pick up old man Jack Speech, <laughs> superstar, uh, the best of all time, a.k.a. the boat, the boat with no wind in his sails, Blake Portals. Are we going to see this guy play? I'm so happy for him. So, latest here in Denver, you know, since we're from here, we get all the news, They'll be making a decision tomorrow morning. So if you're listening, there will be a decision made on who will be starting. But they are actually thinking about it, which is what I'm hearing. I have a feeling we might hear that Blake Bortles will be starting by tomorrow morning. And he'll be starting Thursday night against Sam Darnold, which would be tremendous. I'd love it. (laughs) Yeah, so they had uh, Driscoll. And I'm not familiar with these quarterbacks, just to be all honest here. Driscoll had 17 completions out of 30 attempts for 176 yards, touchdown and interception. Ripien came in, I don't even know how you say it, um, and threw a pick as well. So uh, I guess I guess Bortles was a re- recent acquisition, so they wouldn't have thrown him in right. to the game. Do you know why he didn't play already against the Buccaneers? I I mean, that's my guess. Well, he got They picked him up on like Tuesday or Wednesday. You know, you can't just throw someone in there four or five days. Right after, maybe if they're like an elite player, but even at the quarterback position, it's a little bit different. And I think they're 
I think their goal is to prep Blake Bortles for the week and have Bortles start on Thursday. And he gives gives the offense a you know a little a different dynamic because he can run the ball too. I don't know. I I don't see any harm in playing Bortles. See what he's got. He was a he was a first round pick, right? He was top pick top five, so he should get all the respect in the world. Isn't that how it works? <laughs> he should he should get a lot of respect for a long time, and he's always improving. He's always he's always evolving, just like Kyler Murray. <laughs> yeah, in some way or another. Yeah, <laughs> but yeah. I hope to see him out there. I th- I think everyone does. Nice. Yeah, I think he would add a lot to the rushing game. I, I remember uh, having him in and Madden. Uh, tried to try to break a thousand yards with him <laughs> rushing one year. Oh man, he's a beast. He's a beast on the ground. Did you succeed? Oh, I got really close. Uh-huh. I got really close. I usually rushed. I mean, he's a, you know he's a, he's rated as a quarterback, so you can't really run those guys as much as you'd like unless they're like Lamar Jackson, without them getting injured in the game because right. <laughs> the algorithms are built around of course around that. But he's got he's got a toughness level, man. He's got a toughness. Basically, if like Fournette would go down, I'd be like, let's run, let's run Bortles. Right. Um, one more game. Um, we had to talk about those. Uh, Cincy and Philly, just because we play Cincy. Ooh, yeah. You know, on Sunday. You see any of that? It ended up in a tie. Yeah, it's bizarre. Yeah, I just remember uh, tuning in when it was already going into overtime, and they were talking about this duel of quarterbacks. You had oh, God. Carson Wentz and Joe Burrow. It was ugly. I watched some of it, and it was pretty underwhelming, um, that, that overtime. <laughs> it was ugly football, all of it. The Eagles had a chance to kick a field goal, and then there was this, what was it, like some bizarre false start or something, something really unnecessary, pushes them back even farther. They were going to kick from 59, and then they got the penalty, and they didn't want to kick from 64, which people were saying, you know, this this dude would have had a chance to make that. And with they had like 20 seconds left in the game. So, like, the only thing would be he kicks it, you know, time comes off, there's 10 seconds left, the Bengals, I don't even think they had a timeout. So they couldn't even done much. And they have a bad kicker, Randy Bullock, do the Bengals. So I don't know why they wouldn't attempt it. Basically, they played for the tie at that point, which is it was very odd. Yeah, it's silly. I mean, I think when you go into that 60-ish yard range, you're at such a, a disadvantage in terms of your kicking angle that's a lot easier to block those kicks. And so you don't want to... That's true go for a kick that you you probably won't make and then render yourself vulnerable to having the kick blocked and like returned in this like season demoralizing touchdown against you or whatever. But at the same time, that's also not like that likely. It's, yeah, it's not. You should definitely try to kick just to get that morale at least instead of and, yeah. going for the tie, essentially taking things into your own hands and saying, Oh, we're gonna we're gonna we're gonna tie today. Um I think the best joke on this one is that you know, Doug Peterson called out Doug Marone. Ah, yeah. Uh, when being conservative, the Jaguars kneeled the ball. Were super conservative at the end of the first half against the Patriots in the 2017 AFC Championship game. Which, which for all of us Jaguars fans listening, this is like lore yeah. for us. The Patriots have been to like nine million AFC Championship games. You have to like you have to pick out which one you're talking <laughs> about, right? But if we just say the AFC Championship game <laughs> for us, it means the one against the, one. the Patriots yep. <laughs> in <Exactly>. 2017. <laughs> Even though you know we played them really well those first three quarters, we wound up still losing the game, and it was a fairly narrow series of events at the end there that could have gone a couple of different ways. I don't want to rub it into fans too much. We have the Miles Jack fumble recovery that could have been a touchdown return. We had Brady pulling some amazing like third and seventeen, third and eighteen uh, first down conversions that shouldn't have happened against our defense, and we got even Blake Bortles 
with a uh, like a fingertip uh, tipped pass at mm-hmm. the end of that last drive there that extinguished our hopes. Uh, so the whole joke here is that Doug Marone in his book, <laughs> after he somehow wins the Super Bowl <laughs> one year, should call out yeah, right. <laughs> uh, Doug Peterson and the Eagles for just like giving up in this game. <laughs> and um, Doug Peterson is probably taking a lot of heat, and I bet Carson Wentz is, because I know those Philly fans, they don't play very nicely, and that's a yep. it's a prestigious franchise. And they are 0-3. Well, they're 0-2-1. But they're a half game out of first place Yeah, in their division. So, I mean, we'll see what happens there, but... On the Bengals side, it's scary watching Joe Burrow. Like it seems like Joe Burrow's gonna throw for four hundred yards against us, man. They have a lot of offensive weapons. And they throw the ball a lot. And I'm a little bit worried, to be honest with you. Wow. So as we look forward to the next game, what's your instinct here? How do you think this is gonna go? I feel like this is Joe Burrow's breakout game, like for real. And I feel like since he gets their first win this oh week. Oh my god. Just because our defense can't get it together, I think it could be a, a potentially a shootout. And our there was one hope the Jaguars have. There's one hope, and it's the pass rush because Joe Burrow is getting just smacked in there. Their O line is so bad; he is getting beat up. Did you see the hit that he took yesterday? Um, if you haven't, you got to look that up um, right after we're done here because he got clobbered. Like it looked like he wasn't going to get back up. Oh wow! So if we have any any chance, man, we we had to get that pass rush going. Yeah, but we've only got three sacks on the year. I mean, fam- famously, Ngakwe already with the Vikings has two on his own, and, and a we're strip sitting sack, here. Yeah. We're just sitting here, barely, you know, getting a sack a game. Basically, do you think that we're going to be able to really put pressure on Burrow when we play the Bengals? Their O line is so bad, and if I'm Todd Walsh, Wash, whatever <laughs> his name is, man, I'm I'm bringing blitzes. I'm being aggressive. You don't. You can't give Joe Burrow time to sit in there. They have so many weapons. AJ Green, Tyler Boyd, man. I mean, AJ Green hasn't done much, and then they got that young T Higgins. Joe Burrow looks. Joe Burrow looks good. It's just this offensive line. I've heard people saying if they start losing more games, they have to sit Joe Burrow because their offensive line is so bad, and they can't risk him being out there with that O line. That's how bad that O line is. So if we can't get to the quarterback this week. It's time to lose hope on that pass rush. Mm. That's what I'm saying. It's tough. Yeah. I don't want to make every week like a make or break for the Jaguars, but this one seems like another important test. This is very important. If the pass rush, I mean, not from winning and losing, but if the pass rush can't get there and make a difference, then we're, we have no chance. Feels weird saying that against the Bengals, but yeah. And on the other side, their defense is, mm-hmm. they're all right. They're not that good. They're, they're uh, front mm-hmm. guys are, they're big monsters, man. So you got to protect Gardner, which I feel like Gardner has been protected pretty well, honestly. I think the O-line's done a pretty good job. And it could be a shootout is what I'm thinking. But we have to run the ball against him, man. And I hope we keep pounding it against him. Because James Robinson, he's a stud, isn't he? He's like the one highlight of Thursday night. All the time. Yeah, and hopefully we can get some big plays from players like James Robinson who can really already in their young careers, take the team on their shoulders. Uh, we've got Josh Lambeau, our beloved kicker, still out. And we've already gone ah. through the second string <laughs> option for that. The Jaguars apparently today signed uh, kickers uh, Stephen Hauschka yeah. and Aldrich Rosas. 
yeah. uh, to the the active roster and the practice squad, respectively. So we're bringing in some help here. <laughs> Hauschka will be the guy kicking. Rosas is not that good, honestly. But Hauschka is actually reliable. Reliable leg. So I'm okay with having him. All right, well, we got Josh Scobie so freaking active on Twitter. He should start warming up to come back. <laughs> I saw someone someone tweet him. They said, Josh Scobie, you up? <laughs> Something. <laughs> That's pretty funny. And Chark, man. Chark's getting evaluated again this morning. And man. there could be bad news coming, which is not, not what I need, honestly, for my fantasy team and just for the Jaguars. It, it looked different. I don't know. You, it's easy to say, you know, Gardner mm-hmm. Minshew didn't have his top target or whatever, but even when DJ Chark's not catching balls, he extends the field, you know? He goes deep, brings a man with him, and that's what he's for. He's our deep threat. And he's at everything threat, honestly. I think G- G- DJ Chark is really good and showed how much the Jaguars need him on Thursday. How are you planning to watch this one? Well, I'm going to watch it with my friend Dallas, hopefully. He's a big Bengals fan, and, you know, the other night he even said, he said, you know, I actually get kind of excited to watch Bengals games again. Because of Joe Burrow. I think that's pretty cool. Joe Burrow is actually really fun to watch. And I think this game will be fun to watch with, you know, two young quarterbacks. You know, they have a lot of confidence in themselves. Joe Burrow's super confident. Gardner Minshew's super confident. It's just two young bucks going at it. I think it'll be a fun game. Well, on that note, uh, we all hope things go well this upcoming Sunday against the Cincinnati Bengals. The Jaguars are playing at Cincinnati. Thank you all for listening to the Drunken Jaguar and SB Nation Big Cat Country Network podcast. I'm Bentley Brown. Uh, I'm at Weld Brown, W-A-L-D-B-R-O-W-N on Twitter. And I'm a sad at that young said. You have to spell it out yourself. Let's go Jaguars. Let's get back to 500. Follow the Drunken Jaguar on Twitter at Junkin Dragwar. We look forward to catching up with some good news next week. Go Jags. We'll be back. Let's go. Let's go.